Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast coming at you tonight on a Wednesday instead of a Monday because, hey, we have to be different every now and then to keep things shaken up a little bit. So joining me tonight, we've got Joe as always. Uh, Jason is off tonight. He was uh, had a prior commitment and wasn't able to move his schedule. So Ronnie is stepping in to join. So we still have a Phillies presence here for our wonderful Phillies fans that uh, like to listen in. Plus, uh, Ronnie has... Uh, you know, he's coming off of finally picking up his first fantasy oh, baseball yeah. win. Of course, it had to be against me because, of course, <laughs> it did. So, yeah, you know, we'll get into that later. Uh, guys, how are you doing tonight, Ronnie? Ah, uh, a lot better. I was sick all week last week. Yeah, allergies are uh, something pretty damn fierce right now. I've been living on Allegra <laughs> for quite a bit. <laughs> Working outside doesn't help. Joe, how you doing? Um, yeah, hanging in like a, kind of like I was last week. Uh, my ball team didn't help me all that much this week. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trucking along. Can't, can't, can't give up yet. No, definitely not. All right. So Joe, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, Evan Williams and Mountain Dew. And as you can tell by my glass, I'm, I'm well on my way. So (laughs) (laughs) should, should make my Cubs rant fairly nice tonight. There we go. Ron, what you drinking tonight, bud? I am having a twisted tea half and half. All right. Very nice. And I'm having from uh, UFO Brewing a triple berry. A little bit sour because uh, uh, I'm a little sour after last week. Uh, not not a good week for Atlanta. One damn bit. Now, that said, we've had so many good weeks. I really should you know, not rant too much, but that was uh, a little disappointing last week. Yeah. It was also a five-game week. I hate those. These two-game miniseries just blow. They can go go the hell away. All right, so let's roll into it tonight, guys. Uh, so uh, Mother's Day was on Sunday. I hope everybody uh, who was able to spend some time with their mother did so, or you know, was it, you know whether it was go out to brunch, bring up some flowers, whatever. We always uh, our boys always pick out uh, flowers for my mom to plant. Um, they do that when they pick them up during the week sometime. Always a good time. Um, So MLB always does, uh, you know, special things on the day. So we had already seen the uh, special edition caps. They were the white with the uh, pink and the gray, which uh, not the worst Mother's Day caps, not the best Mother's Day caps. They did work with some teams' uniforms quite nicely, though. Um, You also had, you know, all the pink accessories. You normally see the batting gloves, the sliding gloves, the wristbands, the compression sleeves, belts, shoes, and bats. Uh, Some of the players that go high cuff, they had the pink holiday socks, though a few wore the standard socks instead. You had pink colored eye black for a couple guys I saw. Most of the catchers (laughs) wore pink masks and uh, pink chest protectors. Now, guys, this was a fun little tidbit I pulled off of uh, Paul Lucas and UniWatch. The Nationals were the only team all weekend to wear two different uniform combos, but they kept the same Mother's Day gear for both. So uh, the Saturday night game against the Mets, that got rained out after three, so they had to finish that Sunday. So they wore the home whites to finish that game. And then for the regular game, they switched over to the City Connect uniforms. And I got to say, guys, the uh, sit, their City Connect uniforms with the Mother's Day caps, that was a really yeah, good Yeah, that looked good. I Probably the best of the combinations in the league as far as the uh, cap uniform combo went. Also, the uh, home plate umpires, uh, they had the pink masks, wristbands, and they also had uh, pink pens to make changes to the lineup cards. So, you know, hey, you know, it's it's a relatively harmless merch dump as far as uh, MLB merch dumps go. So I guess we should be thankful for that at least. All right, so moving on, uh, more uniform news for this week. Um, The Cincinnati Red City Connect uniforms were released. Uh, These are the blackest uniforms that have been released in the City Connect lineup so far by far. They're described by the Reds as, quote, just as Cincinnati, the birthplace of professional baseball, sparked the passion of America's pastime, the Red City Connect uniforms were developed to ignite the fire and pride in a new generation. Together, fueled by a collective energy, this city and this team are lighting the way to what comes next. Lots of capitalization in the press release. So looking at the cap, guys, it's a black cap, of course, the stylized C. It's kind of similar to the wishbone C they use now. Um, that's in red. It's comprised of five red lines with a thin red line around the base of the, of the crown. That's kind of similar to the uh, 
Field of Dreams throwback caps that they had last year that they had that red line that went around the front. So that kind of got brought back. Um, of course, the cap logos on the sleeve. It's not going to be on a consistent side because of the stupid advertising patch. The five lines are supposed to be quote-unquote wavelength lines, which according to Nike are lines that signify moving forward and lighting the way to what comes next. God, the drivel Nike comes up with to justify their uh, stuff just never ceases to amaze me. Looking at the jersey, it's all black. Again, you have those five wavelength lines there on the sleeves as the striping. The word Cincy in black mixed case lettering on the chest, capital C-I, lowercase n, capital C-Y. Why they did that, who the hell knows. Um, it's very hard to see. You can only see it because of a red and white uh, black block shadowing effect. The upper left shadow is rendered in white, and the red is in the lower right, so it's supposed to be ghost lettering the rear of the jersey has the numbers in the exact same style but the names on the back are solid red so at least you can see those um according to major league baseball the lettering is meant to mimic illuminated neon lights with flashes of infrared red color because as we all know the human eyeball sees infrared so well the pants are completely solid black the only color is the mlb logo and and the belt loop and the maker's mark and the five red stripes going down the side which uh, in case of the pants, thank God for the stripes to break that up a little bit. These the socks for the players that will go high cuffed, um, the stance socks, they're red with the wishbone C in the front. So um, before I rip into these, Joe, what do you think? The only thing that's good about these is the socks. This is absolute garbage. <laughs> absolute trash. It's just ridiculous. Like, don't, don't break what's not broken. Don't try to go over the top with it just don't don't think too hard about it i feel like sometimes they think too hard about it some of these clubs and nike and i i just thought it looked ridiculous it's hard to make out what you're looking at yeah you, you can't see, see anything you know it, it, to me i just did they have some nice concepts sure um but it didn't result in anything that's appetizing to look at much like their ball club but Clubs <laughs> aren't much better, so. Uh, but they're still better than that. Plus, Lodalo's hurt now, so Cincinnati's really down to one pitcher. Right. <laughs> Ron, what what did you think of these uh, latest um, City Connect release? Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> what was your thoughts, man? I like it. I just don't like the ghost lettering. I wish they would have kept it, like you know red and white or you know something in that nature the ghost lettering just makes it hard to read out yeah but i also like the fact that they put cincy instead of like cincinnati or the reds on the front because it you know mixes it up and a lot of people know them by cincy so yeah i don't have a problem with the cincy word mark <clears throat> i think the lowercase n in the middle is kind of dumb but I, my problem is from more than 20 feet away, you're not going to see Cincy and you're not going to see the number on the back. Like instead of trying to get cute with it, use they why not use that beautiful solid red color for, oh wait, what are they called? Oh, the reds. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on. Why, why are you getting away? I, I, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a fan of teams that don't have black anywhere in their color palette making a black uniform just for the hell of it. That is such a Nike thing to do. Look at Oregon. Um, and the fact yeah. that Phil Knight dumps millions of dollars into their uniforms every year and they look worse and worse every year. Um, but I, why? I, it, it's so damn dark. And as we've seen, a lot of these teams that have used a monocolor combination, uh, they end up switching something at, at some point. Uh, the Dodgers, we went over this a couple weeks ago, they've made multiple changes and now are wearing white pants. Um, the only mono black that I'm okay with so far is the White Sox because, oh, wait, that's their primary color is black. So that made, oh, wait, perfect sense. Um, I'm very, very underwhelmed by these uniforms. Uh, I, I really hope all the players go high cuffed so you at least have the red socks to break that up because if you go low cuff and have the pajama effect, it's that it's not a good-looking uniform, I don't think. Yeah, those, I, those pants are terrible. I actually like the red striping. I really do. 
that it works there because God knows when you're using black, you need something to break it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this is definitely going to be in the solidly in the bottom third for me, probably honestly in the bottom five, maybe even bottom two. It's not going to be, it's not worse than the Dodgers. I, that's still my least favorite of the city connect so far, but uh, Cincinnati's giving him a damn good fight for that. And he, here's the thing. When you choose to go all black, there is not really a whole hell of a lot you can do later to change it or modify it. You know, the Rockies go into white pants, the Dodgers go into white pants. That worked because it wasn't mono black. You can't go to white pants with a black top when you're the Reds. That's just not going to look good. The so, only way this will look any any better is if they went with like a red pant instead. That, that would at least incorporate a team color in there a lot yeah. more. Yeah, that would have looked pretty good. I did. I did listen. I was on uh, MLB radio. I was listening the other day, and they were talking about sort of the. It kind of reminds you of the the Cincinnati Bearcat basketball uniforms from years ago. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of the look they seem to go with. Yeah. Um, from from a color scheme standpoint, and you know, it, it you know Nick Van Exel was on that team. That guy ended up being pretty dang good. So, you know, maybe they're hoping to catch some some magic here, but. There's not many people who are, you know, kids in particular, or prospects who are like dreaming of playing for the Reds. <laughs> yeah, although I think that has more to do with how bad the team is than the uh, uniforms. Right. To be right, fair. but I'm saying like they're talking about the next generation and the new group and this and that. Like, unless you're in the Reds organization, hoping somebody gets hurt and you move up, nobody's really like excited about the Reds. Yeah. Um, I will say, I, I was reading Twitter comments after they were released. I, I did see a surprising number of positive comments from the Twitter feed about the Reds uniforms. And I mean, you know, obviously, none of us are Reds fans. So we're, we're looking at this, at, you know, from the outside looking in. So I, it is good to see that the fan base at least seems to like them a little bit. But I, I really, I think the first time these hit the field, I believe it's this Friday. Um, is when they're yeah, going to debut the 19th or something. Yeah, against the Yankees. Um, oh, that's a brutal matchup. Classic Yankees versus this. I mean, at least the Yankees would be in their road grays. But my God, if imagine if the Yankees were imagine if they wore these in New York against the Yankees when they're wearing pinstripes. Good God. All right. So anyway, yeah, that's that. Um, looking, looking at fantasy this past week, because uh, let's just pilot on Andrew a little more. Um, Ron, you knocked me off 16 to nine. That was a great week for you. A ton of close categories at the end. So, you know, just like just like my uh, initial blowout loss to Jason, it was a blowout by the score, but it wasn't when you looked at the categories and broke it down. There were a lot of really yeah, close no, it, it was really close. I was, I was surprised I actually walked away with that one. Yeah. And then, uh, Joe, you were leading all week until Sunday, unfortunately, when Jason came back to beat you 16 to 11. Uh, that that was rough, dude. I thought you were going to pull that off because we need Jason to get knocked off. He hasn't lost yet, and we're all losing <laughs> spots in the standings. I got Yeah, uh, look, I mean, we had the week where the Cubs finally didn't hit. Yeah. You know, the guys that I have from from my team and maybe, again, one of those weeks where having too many of your own team comes back to bite you. And, and quite frankly, my pitching other than steel didn't really show up. You know, I, what, what I found funny is I made a couple of moves last week. I got rid of Dylan cease and then he went and had a great start the next time. And I got rid of Schwarber and he's been on a tear ever since. So, you know, it's just terrific. It's wonderful. Hey, do me a favor, pick Schwarber back up before the Braves in Philly series. So he goes back to tanking again. <laughs> Looking at the standings, uh, Jason's overall 94, 59, and 15. Joe, you're in second at 78, 75, and 15, 16 back. I'm in third at 70, 82, and 16, 23 and a half back. And Ron, you made a good jump this week 63, 89, and 16. You're 30 and a half back. You actually gained a game back on Jason. So, congratulations. Yeah, I was um, looking at ours, and out of all the categories, there was only like five blowout categories. Yeah, it that that thing swung back and forth all week, and <clears throat> I, I was keeping an eye on it throughout the week last week. And I was like, you know what? 
this is either going to swing one way or it's going to swing the other way. And there's not really a lot I could do making a move to try and fix that. So I just rolled with this. Once again, my pitching staff pitched uh, quite badly. I think I had a 435 ERA last week. So you're welcome. Well, well you probably would have probably would have beat me if I would have started Stroman. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't start up that up. So thankful for that. You know, I'm glad I didn't pull the trigger immediately on that trade you offered me. <laughs> um, I, I'm still interested in Strowman, but I think I I think there's some more pieces that need to be involved than just a straight closer for starter trade. Well, he's uh, just gonna sit on the bench, so <laughs> oh, in that case, you might as well just drop him and I'll grab him off waivers. No, that's why he's gonna sit on the bench. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right, Joe, it looks like you're getting ready to rant. Who needs to read the room this week? <laughs> uh, oh, this be good. Let's see. Let, let's see where this goes here. Um, <laughs> first off, I, I'd like to say to, and we're going to touch on this later on, but the, the, the umpires need to read the room on this one because it's like, can we get some consistency on the sticky stuff for the love of God? Like, you know, can we really get some consistency on some of that? Can we get some consistency behind the plate? Because I'm really tired of pitches that are clearly balls being called strikes and vice versa. Um, <laughs> I'm getting tired of it. Uh, so some consistency from the umpires would be fantastic. Um, the, you know, we talked. you talked a little bit about the Mother's Day collection. I think it's a nice, you know, it's a nice overall tribute. I do wish that they would do with the – team hats i wish they would do maybe they're off color like maybe do it you know a blue or a red or something if you're a cup team so it at least kind of matches a little bit um if it were a blue something like that so try to try to make these i know we do merch dumps but when teams are on the field if we can do something to make it at least look a little more seamless that would be fantastic because otherwise it just looks ridiculous um and Wilson Contreras needs to read the room, which it goes without saying, obviously, but um, I, I'd like to know how he feels about the Cardinal way after the last week. Um, look, it, dude, you know, in, in pregame interviews, Wilson was like, uh, it's going to be 50-50, you know, the reaction from the crowd at Wrigley. And I'm like, yeah, maybe if you're lucky. And, and I wish <laughs> it was worse. I, honestly, I feel like it was maybe – you know, 60-40 good for him at the beginning of the game. But he really, you know, he, he egged the fans on. He got on base in his first at bat, scored a, a, the first run of the game. And he gets on base and he's, like, motioning to the fans, like, bring it on. I don't care. Bring on the booze. And it's like, dude, you're not helping yourself. Like, you could be the next ex-Cub who doesn't get a good ovation at CubsCon in, like, 10 years like when you retire. <laughs> Like, just just stop, dude. Like, don't be a dickhead. You've already – you're trying to talk about how much you like the fans and how much your bigger problem was with the front office, and then your actions on the field show the exact opposite. I'm glad you're gone. You suck. I don't think you fixed your catching in a week. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden the Cardinals are like, oh, it's, it's, it's not just Wilson, but it is Wilson, so we're going to sit him in from catcher for a week. And all of a sudden, the week fixes the problem? I don't think so. <laughs> the problems run deeper. I, I gave the Cardinals a lot of, of, of kudos last week and a lot of um, a Cardinal fans, at least, a lot of kudos. And I ranted on the, the Cardinal brass and the Cardinals, you know, went on a winning streak. So you're welcome, Zach <laughs> and other Cardinal fans. But <laughs> I'm just so tired of, of the, you know, you get the video tribute, you're, you're half in tears before the game, and then you get on – on base and you egg the fans on like, just don't be a jackass dude. The fans actually wanted you to stay. I'm glad you didn't. And I'm, I, and I will give Jed Hoyer a ton of credit for not pulling a move like that for him. I, I'll say that now um, before we talk more about the Cubs, but you know, just don't be a jerk, dude. You say, you say you love the fans and it's about the front office and then you get on base and, all, all series, I think. I know yeah. Monday and Tuesday he did it every time he got on base. And I think he may have done it on Wednesday. And it's like, dude, you're losing any goodwill that Cub fans had for you. By, by 
embracing the Cardinal way and saying the organization was so much better, you know, go go screw yourself, man. I'm tired of it. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> Can't say it any better than that. All right, so moving on, we do have one positive Cardinal story that just actually came out uh, not that long ago within the last half hour. Nolan Arenado tonight hit his 1,000th career RBI, and he actually got off Corbin Burns of the Brewers. So, you know, I'm never upset to see the uh, Brewers have run scored against them. And Arenado is a classy guy, um, hell of a ball player, great glove out there at third base, um, you know, platinum glove winner in the past as well. Except apparently in the playoffs against the Phillies, then he looks like a rookie. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, <laughs> Nolan, congratulations on that. Uh, uh, we'll keep watching for that next thousand, and uh, Joe's just going to hope it doesn't happen against Chicago. Yeah, I've seen too many Cardinal milestones happen against the Cubs. I'd like to not see that happen again. <laughs> All right, and then looking at a different kind of milestone, we have a career milestone uh, that happened this past week. Zach Grinky. He struck out Brewers rookies Bryce Terang and Joey Weimer in the bottom of the fifth on Saturday. He became the fifth different pitcher in MLB history to strike out 1,000 different batters. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> the other four guys who did it, Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. Pretty damn good company to be in for three out of the four. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. A hat tip to Zach Grinke and – it's a, I know he had the the he was with the Royal Snow when they won in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, it's a shame that he didn't play for more winning teams throughout his career because he certainly has pitched like a winner and pitched. You know, he's a class act on and off the field. So, yeah, he really is. He's a great guy. Great interview too. He he is a good guy to listen to in the post game interview. All right, so looking at the uh, my quick hit on Atlanta last week, it was a rough week for the Braves. They split with Boston, the two-game mini, and then got swept in the road in Toronto. Um, I didn't like what Atlanta how Atlanta managed Toronto. They went, went with the bullpen game for the last game, so, um, you know, ran the bullpen pretty hard. They were leading late in that last game, but then the Blue Jays rallied, of course, with two outs in the ninth to give Iglesias his first blow and save the season. One day after Minter once again coughed up a late lead from the setup role. Um, bright spot, though, over the last week, Acuna is Acuna, and he is just absolutely annihilating everything he sees this year. Last week, he slashed 400 with a 1-2-2-8 OPS, two homers, two RBIs, two stolen bases, three walks, only one strikeout, six runs, five hits, and a double. Um, coming into the night, he's had a home run in three straight games, and he's on a seven-game hitting streak right now. Um, the biggest thing we're going to need to see is uh, we're going to need to see guys step up right now um, because uh, with Freed and Wright both down until July, at least, we're going to need these other guys, Schuster and the others, um, to step up big time and fill those holes. Um, I'm waiting to see Mike Soroka get called back up. I think it's – He's pitching very well in the minors right now at AAA. I, I think it's time that they, that Soroka comes back because uh, we're down two starters, and you're only going to get so far with uh, with Dodd and um, Spencer Strider and with Charlie Morton. So that is what I would like to see uh, moving forward from Atlanta in the rotation. Bring up, <laughs> bring him up. God knows we need him. All right, and then moving on to uh, slightly more, I guess it's amusing because it's a Yankees player that's affected this time. Uh, Domingo Herman yesterday, umpires found his hand coated with something tackier than rosin, triggering an automatic ejection. He had actually retired his first nine batters before his hands were examined, which I thought they were supposed to check that after the first inning and then periodically after that, but what do I know? Um, crew chief James Hoy said, quote, the instant I looked at his hand, it was extremely shiny and extremely sticky. It's the stickiest hand I've ever felt. My fingers had a hard time coming off his palm. Herman said, quote, it was definitely just the rosin bag. It was sweat in the rosin bag. I don't need any extra help to grab the baseball. And then later he said it was just the rosin bag. The rosin bags, you have a rock one and you have a sand one. I used a lot of the sand one. A couple games ago, they said I was not using enough on the mound. Tonight I was using it on the mound and that's it. Yeah, okay. 
So uh, Hoy's crew also examined him when he had a previous start April 15th against Minnesota. He actually retired the first 16 batters, but they allowed him to stay in that game. Hoy had asked him to wash the rosin off his hand, and some had remained on his pinky finger. So, uh, yeah, I'm not buying for a second that it's just rosin and nothing else. Um, and then just a little bit before we came on air, MLB announced a 10-game suspension for violating the rules regarding foreign substances. Oh. He's not going to appeal. He's going to begin serving immediately. And again, because of a foreign substance um, suspension, uh, the Yankees cannot replace his spot on the roster, so they will have to carry 25 men instead of 26 for the next 10 days. Um, it, really, dude? Same crew from two weeks ago. You got lucky then. He should have been ejected then and suspended then. Uh, the, the fact that they let him skate that one is surprising. And then the fact that you're brazen enough to go out and do it again against the same crew a couple weeks later. That's a guy who needs to read the room. <laughs> and Joe, I know it was a little too late for you to slip that one in to read the room. That's why I left it in the uh, main headlines for you. Um, so, you know, and it, it honestly, it reminds me, I can't remember the guy's name, but the Yankees had a guy a few years ago that got busted with Ross on the neck. Yeah. Yeah. That was right. Yeah. Right on his neck. And like, I understand, buddy, you got darker skin. It's going to blend in a little better than it would with my, uh, pale. What? Well, no, my neck's actually pretty brown from working outside, but, um, but it, it would stick out even worse for me. It, here's the thing. It might have blended in color-wise, but it's shiny. You could see it from it home plate. <laughs> and the best part is he tried it against the Red Sox, and God knows the Red Sox aren't going to say no to any opportunity to get a Yankees pitcher thrown out of a game. So, so yeah, I, I you know, I and there's been a lot of scrappiness in this Yankees J series. I mean, you had the pitcher the other night was tipping pitches. Judge was glancing in at the dugout apparently he said because he was trying to figure out who the hell was yelling at the umpire right before he jacked a 462 foot home run and then you had uh the third base coach of the yankees getting in a shouting match with the hitting coach for the blue jays i mean this is why we need five game series again man i'd love to i, I just want to <laughs> see this simmer and simmer and simmer and hope you know maybe we'll even see a benches clearing brawl at some point over all this ridiculousness I mean, Ron, what are your thoughts on all of this? This is just kind of nuts. Well, first off, that is a big loss for me in my other league. <laughs> I'm so pissed about that. But yeah, like, you can't because there's no IL for suspension either. Yeah, I know. But like, um, I seen videos of it because I was trying to figure out what happened, what not, and like you. You can see when he had his hand on his hip in the dugout, like there was, there was residue or something on his pant there, and it was clear it wasn't rosin. Mm. It's just, I mean, if you're gonna cheat, don't get caught at least. <laughs> don't make it obvious. I mean, hide it better, or just you know, if you're that good, don't cheat. You know, it's funny you mention that. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? Look, uh, uh, two weeks ago, there's there's no way he wasn't cheating. And I'm surprised he got away with it at that point because he was, like I, I think we talked about him that week and he was absolutely dealing. And it was like, it was nasty. Like, mm -hmm. come on. Like, not, not that he's not a good pitcher. I'm not trying to say that. But at some point, you've got to realize that two games in a row he's dealing and clearly there's something going on here. Like Ronnie said, you could see it on on the pants and the in the pictures you see online. Clearly, there's something that he's using, and it's you know it, just come on, guys. Like at the same, there's a couple of different ways with this whole sticky stuff that you can go with it. First off, I mean, I think if you're being excessive, it's ridiculous. Knock it off. If you're gonna hurry the pitchers up, then you need to give them something so that they can control the ball, and we don't see guys getting hit. Yeah. which we haven't seen too much of this year, thank God. So clearly they're starting to figure it out. But, um, you know, it, it, it was clear two weeks ago he was doing something that wasn't quite right, um, and and he was doing it again this weekend. So I, it's just kind of ridiculous. Like, 
if, if you're like like Ronnie said, if you're gonna cheat, don't get caught. Like seriously, it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It almost makes me wonder if he like sprayed stickum or something on his pan, and then was just you know patting to get a little extra with the rosin. Yeah, I don't. It looked kind of. How can I put this into words? It it looked like there was like a chunk of something, almost like he had a chunk of pine tar or something. The way it looked. Hmm. Yeah, it was almost. It was almost like he had taken like a, you know, from from my AT days, like a, the the pre-tape spray stuff and something mm, to, yeah. to, to really give him some extra grip. And, and you know, it, it's just ridiculous. Like, come on, man. Especially with the same umpire crew. Like, yeah, that's brazen. That you got to be smarter than that. If you're going to do it, like, you know, pick an umpire crew. That's not tossing people. Yeah. Although, hey, we can now finally say it's not the same umpire throwing all the throwing all the uh, sticky guys out of games now. That wasn't yeah, the same guy. That, no, no. Oh, okay. And I think when you look when you look back, because that week that was the same week that Scherzer got suspended. It was the same weekend or something. Yeah. Um, and and Scherzer hasn't looked great since. So you kind of wonder if if he's doing some stuff that before that that is is causing him to have the issues he's having could also be old age and scherzer's case well yeah i mean he's he's that's what it is yeah (laughs) all right so moving on um joe what do you have for bringing out the good this week a couple of things um we've got um uh, aaron nola pitcher for uh for ronnie and jason's phillies um a week ago had um a, a bowling charity bowling tournament um, with him and Yingling uh, teamed up to host this event and it benefits team red, white, and blue, which is a nonprofit dedicated to enriching veterans lives and helping them to get the health and wellness that they need um, have those needs met and, and giving them an opportunity to get together uh, from the pictures in the video. You saw a lot of, of Aaron's teammates helping him out and, and making appearances at that. I think Bryce was there. Um, Yingling kicked in $55,000 this night, but the entire event raised hundred K. So, you know, you like seeing these guys doing great work and, and hat tip to Aaron Nola for getting involved and, and making a difference in the lives of, of, of the, those who are, have been willing to put their lives on the line for us. So hat That's tip awesome. to Aaron Nola there. I think this is a charity he's done before, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, I think he does it almost every year. So good yeah, for him. It is a group that he's teamed up with, and it did say that, you know, I, I think because he knew that – I mean, I think Yingling is the beer sponsor at Citizens Bank, is that right? Yeah. So yes. because Yingling is involved with it, that's how he got involved with it, and it's, and it's nice to see uh, – again, we, we talk about this, you know, we'll talk about this in the summer at some point when the – Clemente Award stuff comes out, but um, when, when you see these guys giving back, um, you know it really makes you feel like they're they're you know admirable guys. They're not just ball players. You know they care about some of those things. So it's good to see trying to make side. a difference. I'm yeah. sorry, what was that? I said it's good to see the human side come out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, it, it's really nice to see. Um, like I said, nice to see him give back and, and, and try to make a difference. Yep. Um, and then a- another one was the MLB together community assistance platform. Um, mm-hmm. it's a platform that focuses on youth empowerment, diversity, equity, inclusion, domestic and physical safety, health research and resources, uh, military family and veteran resources, disaster relief, and, and a lot of those things. Uh, so it, you know, working with the community to make to make a difference. MLB is is working on that. Liam Hendricks um, is a program ambassador. Adam Wainwright's a program ambassador, um, and so is Nelson Cruz from the Padres. Um, Wainwright and uh, Cruz are both Clemente Award recipients, um, which again, the Clemente Award, which we'll talk about more this year, um, recognizes players for their character and community involvement and philanthropy. And their contributions off the off the diamond, um, you know. So it's it's fantastic what they're doing. Uh, Manfred was quoted as saying, "MLB Together represents the very best of what our sport means to our fans, 
in our communities. Um, baseball's ability to bring people together through shared values and addressing common issues has helped secure the game's status within our culture. Uh, and they, again, disaster relief, they do a ton with that, mental health, wellness, um, bullying prevention, access to baseball and softball. Um, you, you know, so an organization that MLB has put together working with the players to make a difference in the community. Again, something we love to see. Um, and the last bring out the good, uh, it's a shame Jason's not here for this one too, but uh, hat tip to the MLB umpiring groups for getting rid of Angel Hernandez. <laughs> the fact <laughs> that Angel Hernandez has only umped one game this year is definitely a bring out the good moment. <laughs> oh, now you spoke too soon. You watch. He'll be back next week now. Don't say that, Ronnie. Don't say I that. I am so happy that he's not around. I mean, don't worry. He's got an heir to the throne. Buckner is not much better. So, oh, no, Yeah, there. you're not wrong about that. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's it's nice to see uh, Angel doing less screwing up behind home plate than he uh, ever has before. So let's let's keep this trend going <laughs> for as long as possible. I really wanted to see the automatic balls and strikes with him behind the plate to see how that would go. <laughs> what do you mean that's a ball? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Ronnie, how about them Phillies this past week? Uh, yeah, how about those Phillies? <laughs> God, they sucked this last week. I I do have to give them, you know, they didn't suck completely. It's just, you know, their their pitching is getting better. Thankfully, they got sent faltered down to AAA. I'm not sure what they're going to do with his roster spot yet, but if they can get their bats behind their pitchers, they're a good team. That's the key. Is like their bats aren't just getting hot, so. But um, one thing to bring up that happened during a Phillies game is Nick Castellanos hit a line drive, and it struck the pitcher Ryan Faulkner. Who was that? Who does he pitch for? I can't even remember. That's how bad uh, these games Colorado. were. Colorado. Yeah, that's right, Colorado. But uh, you know, line drive off the head. Unfortunately, very scary. I even watched that game. It was. It, it it shook me up a little bit because having played baseball, even just in Little League in high school, even taking a line drive at third base, it, it hurts a lot. But having it come off your head. So I guess they pulled him out of the game. He was real shaken up. Turns out he has a skull fracture and a concussion. Um, it won't the fracture won't require surgery. And he was communicating with, you know, friends, family, teammates, coaches, and medical staff and everything. So that that's a good sign, thankfully. Hopefully a quick recovery there and no serious damage. Yeah. I, I saw the replays of that, and my God. It, it's just it's scary watching that kind of thing. Man, Harper's, Harper said it right after the game. Thank God Castellanos didn't completely square up on that ball. Yeah, I think they said it was 92 miles an hour off the bat. Yeah, and if Castellanos had fully squared up on that. uh, Yeah, looking like 106 off the bat at least. Yeah, that's, you know, for years now, MLB has been trying to figure out a way to make a cap with some kind of like a protective shield in the front to at least provide a little bit of protection for the pitchers. And they've been resistant to it because it's, you know, the weight up here, it throws them off when they're pitching and they haven't really found a good compromise to that yet. Now I know his was off the side. So a front shield wouldn't have helped anyway. Well, it's like, um, like in softball, you know, uh, slow pitch, like the pitchers wear pretty much a helmet with a mask on the front of it. Yeah. Why not try to maybe think of something in that general nature, like nature. Yeah, I, I I don't know what the best solution is going to be, but I really I, I hope they keep looking towards one because you don't want to see guys getting hurt like this. And, it, you know, it's a freak accident, obviously. It's not something we're going to see all the time. But, you know, those comebackers to the mound, they come back hot. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right, Joe, you ready to ramp? 
Well, I mean, on, on the skull fracture front with, with Felder, I, I mean, yeah, wish sorry. the best. Um, I, I know that they did do, they've been doing some research on, on the hats themselves, not even a helmet, but, or a mask, but on, on adding extra padding inside the, the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, does that, does that throw off, you know, that their weight distribution when they're trying to throw? Maybe it does. Um, there's got to be something we can do to kind of, you know, put some extra safety measures in place, whatever that is. I mean, when when Stanton took that ball off his face probably four or five years ago, Ooh, yeah. saw a lot of guys adopt the, the piece on the helmet that comes yeah. down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'd like to see them, them come up with something. And, and whether, you know, what, what that is, I don't know 100%, but I know there's got to be something they can do. Yeah, definitely. Even if it's just telling pitchers to shut the hell up and deal with it, that might be what it takes. Or even something like uh, what they wear in the NBA a lot. A lot of the guys wear that. Like oh, the clear masks. Yeah, something like that in a in a way. Yeah. Although I got to tell you, in the middle of the summer, that would be awful. Well, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's got to be a solution. They need to figure it out. Um, maybe make it like the old Mighty Ducks masks where it's got the air holes <laughs> in it instead. I don't know if that would provide enough protection or not, but anyway. All right, Joe, time for another Cubbies rant. Sure, let's get to it. Um, <laughs> look, at the, as I mentioned in Read the Room, um, a couple other Read the Rooms I wanted to add here. Um, there was a college team I saw. The, the coach was fired uh, after the players were found cheating with head, headset pieces. Um, I forget what college off the top of my head, my head now. But there was a college team where they got caught with, with headsets and a couple of the players. And and it's just – come on, guys. Like, it's, it's unacceptable. We, we The Astros still haven't – from a reputation standpoint, recovered from their nonsense. And, and these, these kids should know better than that. The coaching should know better than that. Um, you know, the coach was, like I said, immediately forced to resign or something to that effect um, after, after they were busted. Um, and again, it, it sort of, I guess the, the devil's advocate of this is if you're going to cheat, at least win the ball game. It was um, Atlanta cap. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Atlantic Cap Community College. That's what it was. Sure. <laughs> that, that, that's what it was. And it, it was like they had headsets in and, it, and then they lose the game. And then you're like, if you're going to cheat, win the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Well, and, you know, that's, that's the thing that's always driven me nuts. Like, just because I know what pitch is incoming doesn't mean I'm going to have, have a better chance at hitting it. It's not like they're telling me, oh, it's coming right down the middle. or I'm it's still going to miss. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> man, at yeah. a community college too. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, Atlantic <sighs> Cape Community College in Hamilton, New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> just well, I'm less surprised now hearing that's community college in New Jersey. That just <laughs> for some reason that just seems to be the kind of thing that if it's going to happen somewhere in New Jersey, seems to be the logical place for that to happen. Yeah. And and the other read the room kind of ties into the Cubs because I, I I've seen it a lot with the Cubs TV broadcast. Can these can these broadcast channels with the, with the you know the home feeds and all of that? Can we can we seriously like stop with all of the extra packages? If I'm watching a game and I'm listening to the audio from a TV game, I miss half the game because you're talking about something I don't give a shit about. <laughs> I don't care what Corbin Burns did last year. If I'm playing the Brewers, I don't care. I don't need to hear 10 stories about Wilson Contreras when we're playing the Cardinals. I don't care. I care about now. So if the, the, the Major League Baseball, the, 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 particularly the home feeds, but ESPN is terrible too um, with this on Sunday Night Baseball. I'm tuning in to watch a game. I'm not tuning in to listen to A-Rod or Jess Mendoza, whoever it is, Talk about something that means nothing to me. It's pretty much yeah. at that point, it's a documentary, right? And, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not tuning in to watch a documentary. I'm tuning in to watch a baseball game. Please stop with all of the extra intros and packages. It's just annoying. 
And especially with ESPN, they have a really bad habit of latching onto one team or one player, and that's all you hear about. Like ESPN has fallen so far off the days of um, the original Sunday Night Baseball crew and when you had Joe Morgan out there. uh, They they have not recovered since, you know, Joe Morgan retired before he died. Um, They they have yet to find somebody to adequately take a spot. I mean, I like listening to Berman when it's the home run derby because I can listen to him go back, 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 back all freaking day. But Berman's not great for the rest of a baseball game. <laughs> no, it's not. And and I'm just, like I said, I'm just tired of, of you want to tell some stories, that's fine. But I don't need a video montage when I'm missing two pitches because the game is faster now. Yeah. Like something's got to give here. And Mark, Marquis is, is guilty of that a lot. And it's just annoying. And the other thing too, is when you're watching a home feed, like, like when you listen to the Nationals, the Nationals are extreme are the extreme on this. But when you listen to the Nationals announcers on radio and TV, they are a hundred percent in the bag, hundred and twenty percent in the bag for the Nationals. Yeah. Can Marquee Network is the primary network for the Chicago Cubs? Can I get a little fan attitude here besides Rick, Rick Sutcliffe? Can, can I get a little? This is so freaking stupid. Yeah. Out of some of these guys. You know, it, it's it's annoying when when the home announcers and I'm like, like you said, like I said, I'm watching the Cubs game and I don't hear the frustration that I should be hearing. Yeah, that's why I really like um, what Atlanta has now. Um, it sucked. It, it sucked to lose a chip to the Cardinals, but uh, Brandon Brandon Gadan has done a great job stepping in for him. Um, he, he's an Atlanta, either an Atlanta or a Georgia native. I can't remember if he was native to the city originally or not, but he and Jeff Francoeur and uh, Peter Moylan, when he is on a very quickly uh, got some real nice symmetry. And, you know, that's why I like when Frenchie's on because when things are not going well in a game and a player is not doing well, Frenchie will uh, be pretty quick to uh, point that out. And he's, uh, he's diplomatic about it most of the time, but boy, if you hit the uh, platinum strum- uh, sombrero striking out that game, uh-uh, it's all over. <laughs> like it, it's, you know, Phillies traditionally, especially in the Comcast network, they are extremely Homer as well, but you know, you do want a little bit of that. You, you don't want, you don't want all Homer and nothing else because you know, if the other team's just kicking your ass because they're having a great game, it's okay to say, hey, these guys are having a great game rather than just talk about your guys and everything else. You know, you have to know where that balance point is, and I feel like that's slowly becoming a lost art in broadcasting these days. Yeah, I mean, you want to be excited. Like if, like when Morrell comes up last week and, and gets a home run, I want my, my the TV guys to be pumped up about that. And, and part of it, I think, is because Boog Shambi does a ton of national telecasts, and that's probably the way he has to kind of channel his, his, his skill set. But, like, you want a little bit more of that homerish feel, not, not you know, not 130,000% like the Nationals or, or even the Phillies sometimes, but, like, at, at least something. You want, yeah. you want to feel like your broadcasting crew cares about this club. And, and whatever that club is, whether it's, again, whether it's my Cubs, whether it's the Braves, whether it's the Phillies, whether it's the Mets, you want to feel like they care. You know, like they're in it with you as a fan as you roll through the year. So that's that's the last time I read the room crap. I'm so tired of, of the storytelling and it takes away from the game. And then a little homerish stuff would be nice once in a while. You know, and this, honestly, Joe, this is why – and a lot of times the radio broadcasts are better than the TV broadcast because the radio guys know how to paint the picture without launching off into a five minute tangent away from everything because they know, Oh wait, I can't see anything. You need to keep me engaged and paint a picture in my freaking head. You know, I've always, I've always wondered what it would be like to have a game where you put the TV guys in the radio and bring the radio guys to TV just to switch it up and see what that would be like. I'd be really curious to watch a game like that. Well, the Phillies did that 
a couple times last year. I forget who. I think John Crock had to be off or something like that. And Mar Jr. Thank God wasn't available. He's just <laughs> annoying to listen to. And, yes, he uh, is. <laughs> the radio broadcaster Scott came over and he was doing it, and it was it was really good. Yeah, ne- never never doubt those radio guys, man. They they know what they're doing. Yeah, with with with, with the Cubs, uh, Pat Hughes does I think at least one or two games a week on TV, and and typically it's Sunday because Shambi's got the night game on ESPN, whether it's on radio or TV. Um, but he he brings a like you said that stylistic approach to it. He's telling stories. The way he does uniform descriptions is is a joy to listen to you know mm-hmm. every little thing um you know it, it, it's t- t- a little bit more of that and a little less of the you know special video packages would be fantastic <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> all right so uh now how about now, the rest of the cubs week <laughs> sure so so the cubs um rough week as i kind of mentioned uh, they, they lose two of three to the cardinals um they lose 3-1 on Monday, 6-4 on Tuesday, and win 10-4 on Wednesday. Um, Justin Steele stops the bleed in that series because uh, they had lost, I think, 4 or 5 at that point um, before Steele pitches. Um, six innings, seven hits, three runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Not the greatest pitching line, but he kept their guys in the game, and, and the rest of the offense took care of its business, and the, and the infield did its job. Um, you know, so again, just, just being a gamer, Justin Steele is, is absolutely my favorite pitcher other than maybe Smiley right now. Um, who's up in, in Chicago, at least, um, both of them are pitching fantastic and out of their mind and keeping Cubs in the game. Um, the, the series for the week, before we get into the twin series, we'll just, we'll just cover this runners in scoring position is going to be a, a driving force behind the Cubs success this week. They went six of 14 in a 10, four win. Um, and they went three of eight in their win. Their first game against the twins on Friday, won six to two. They went three and eight um, in that game. The rest of the week, not so much. Um, Smiley gets the win in that six, two wins, six innings, four hits, two runs. So he continues to, to pitch out of his mind. His knuckle curve is, is virtually unhittable right now. Um, it's fantastic to watch him, have success um, in this, in the role that he's in. Um, And then the Cubs just fell apart. They lost 11 to one on Saturday. Uh, Hayden got absolutely rocked five innings, seven hits, seven runs, four homers. He gave up. So got absolutely rocked and is consequently down at triple a. I can't say I blame him. He's got to get a couple of things right and work on some things to get, to get right before he comes back and Kyle Hendricks should be back sometime either this week or next week at the latest. Uh, so they're kind of making some moves there. Um, and then on Sunday, they lose 16 to three. So in, in the Cubs losses, they went four for 30 with runners at scoring position. Absolutely abysmal. Absolutely terrible. I'm disgusted by this. And I'm disgusted by the fact that a guy like Eric Hosmer continues to get at bats after the way the Cubs started the year. The Cubs started the year on fire, lights out. It couldn't couldn't miss, and then it, it's gone downhill in the last week or so, last two weeks really. Um, Nico got hurt last week. He's still working his way back. Um, but Eric Hosmer, his average exit velocity is four. His max exit velocity is 67. His heart hit percentage is 31. His walk rate is a 22%. His K rate is 31. Like he's, he's absolutely terrible. His, his whiff rate is 55%. It's, it's just dis- disgusting. Like I, I wanted him to be good. I wanted him to be a presence for this club. And it's just not been what, um, what the Cubs had hoped for. Um, with him so he just really hasn't been what they need him to be Um, and it's really just been disgusting and the fact that he continues to get at bats is just irritating to me 
Um, Why has he not been DFA'd? <laughs> well, I think part I of it is, it. look, you have him and Mancini at first base, and now they have Mervis up, and it's kind of like if, if Mervis doesn't improve or if Mervis doesn't show that he can stay there, you want to have a backup plan. But Mervis has been pretty good at first, and offensively he's been pretty good, I think. Um, you know, so I'm not really disappointed with, with Mervis. Honestly, I'm not disappointed with Morrell. Um, I'm disappointed with the manager who continues to disappoint me daily. It feels like at this point, um, Tucker Barnhart has a 208 average and three RBIs on the year. They're absolutely, they, they don't win when he's in the lineup. Um, they don't win when Hosmer's in the lineup. And when you have Hosmer eight, and Barnhart nine and and Hosmer is grounding into double plays every two at bats, I think, feels like. Um, it's just kind of disappointing. It's kind of irritating that a guy like that is still getting meaningful at bats when you have a lot of outfield prospects in, in triple A who could easily come up and fill a role. Um, you know, Morel came up and it was it was helpful because he came up and then Nico got hurt. So it's like, to me, that should have been let him play second until Nico comes back. He needs to play every day. Second in DH is the only spot I want him in, maybe third. And they've played him in center field. They've played him in left field. They've played him at third. It's like a guy like that who is hitting the crap out of the ball like he was in AAA needs to pick a spot and stay there. You know, second base DH, just figure it out because, you know, it's just got to get better as, as a club. They had Morrell in right in left field in Houston on Monday night in a ballpark he's never played in before. In a position he's played nine total innings at the, uh, you know, minor and major league level. Like, that's not a spot for him in a park he's never played in before. Yeah. That, and, that's and the ball gets over his head, two runs score, and then another run or two scores after that. Like, there's no reason for him to be in left field. When you have guys like Nelson Velasquez sitting in AAA because they don't have enough time to get him at bats with Ian Happ playing every day, Belger playing out of his mind, and, and Suzuki trying to get, get right. You know, it's just kind of frustrating that they have all these extra infielders that they're not using properly. And and you've got outfield prospects in AAA kind of just sitting there. Let me ask you this, Joe. How long until David Ross gets fired? You know, I, I'm kind of <laughs> conflicted on this one because, um, you know, I thought he was going to get let go years ago, and I kind of advocated for such a, a lot <laughs> before last year. Um, you know, last year was kind of a – Let's feel out some of these young guys and see what we have for the future. And and the Cubs made a lot of good moves in the offseason. Um, but, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Ross to begin with. I still kind of stand by that. He has good qualities. But in-game in management is not his strong set. Player development is this guy's strong set. This guy can develop players like none of his business. Like he's absolutely excellent at that. He's pretty good at developing pitching, but he's not good at managing either of those. I think, if anything, he should have started out as a bench coach before becoming a manager. Well, I wish he would have, but unfortunately, I think, you know, the Cubs got caught up in some of the World Series hero crap and stuff like that, you know. And, and did I think Madden needed to leave? Absolutely. I think Madden's time was definitely over. But do I think David Ross was the answer? No. Do I still think he's the answer? No. But this is the first year that you're really getting to judge him based on what we have and a lot of talent that's in and locked in long term. So, you know, if they can turn this around, Maybe. then he probably stays for another year or two. If they can't turn this around, then I think you've got to get another voice in there. I don't know who it is. But – I just feel like he's just not he, – like I said, he's great on, on development, but he's not great on managing the game and picking the right matchups. And, got, like, 
it's just irritating to watch a, a catcher who was as good as he was as a catcher not know how to manage a bullpen. I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't understand it. It, it. And we've noticed that we've noted this before former catchers that cannot manage a pitching staff to save their life. Joe Girardi as well. Yeah. Well, there you guys go. There's his replacement. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Joe's like, if I had access, to, Ronnie on if I one. had primary access to the feed right now, Ronnie is gone. <laughs> yeah, you know, just just looking at some of Hosmer's numbers, that some of his advanced numbers this year, a two percent home run percentage, which is a little under his career average of two point eight. His strikeout ratio is way up at 25%. His career is 17.7. And his walk ratio is way down at 6 when his career number is at 8.1. I I don't really know that we need to say anything more than that besides, oh, wait, he's also at a negative 0.4 war for at this point in the season. I mean, yeah. good God, why has he not been DFA'd? There is no good reason to keep this guy on the roster. Well, there, certain, there certainly isn't any more because Mervis has proven he can field reasonably enough and he can hit the ball well enough to, to stay up. Um, there, there's no reason for him to be there. If you're going to keep if, – if it's between him and Nick Madrigal, I'd love to keep Nick Madrigal because he's good at second and he's good at third. Yeah, like, he, he got moved to third because of the Swanson signing and he's been good enough. Not is he, you know, is he as solid defensively as Patrick wisdom? No, but he's solid enough and he makes contact, which as we talk about all the time, that's, that's almost more important than hitting home runs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, but I, I'd rather have somebody who makes contact like magical than Hosmer who continues to, ground into double plays and strike out and chase pitches that he has no business trying to swing at. He's a net net major negative. And I don't think minus four is good enough to describe that. (laughs) You know, it's one thing to be like Gene Segura chasing everything outside of the zone Mm -hmm. when he can actually manage to get the damn bat on it. It's another thing when you chase crap out of the zone and your bat's a foot and a half away from where the ball ends up crossing home plate. Or not crossing home plate. Uh, uh, now, I'm not still bitter about Spencer Strider losing his no-hitter on a bullshit blooper. <laughs> not bitter about that at all. What are you talking about? It's all right. Look, I mean, it, it, it was, at least it was a, against Gene and not a, losing a perfect game on a, excuse me, bunt like Hos, uh, Mike Oh, Smiley. my God. Yeah. That, that's inexcusable. That dude needs to be beaned. I, I hope Smiley beans him the next time he faces him. Yeah, and, and speaking of the Cubs and, and beaning, I, I am extremely disappointed that Wilson Contreras was not beaned at least once. <laughs> same, same. All right, so <laughs> anything else you got to get off your chest, Joe, or are you good? No, that's that's good for, for the Cubs this week. I'm, 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 I'm sickened by what they're put, putting out on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to just just to make the spark notes point right here, Hosmer DFA. That's all you need to know. <laughs> all right, so uh, moving on. Uh, one more major topic for tonight, and that's we're going to discuss Justin Verlander. He became the twenty-first pitcher in MLB history to defeat all thirty teams. He did that on May tenth. He defeated the Reds in only his third start against them, tied for his second fewest against any MLB franchise, so not a lot of opportunity there. The other pitchers who have done this, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, Bartolo Colon, Max Scherzer, John Lackey, Tim Hudson, Kyle Lose, Dan Heron, A.J. Burnett, Derek Lowe, Vincent P- Vicente Padilla. I forgot Padilla would pitched long enough to do that. Javier Vasquez, Barry Zito, Randy Johnson, Jamie Moyer. Boy, talk about longevity with Moyer. Woody Williams, Kurt Schilling, Terry Mulholland, Kevin Brown, and Al Leiter. And Al Leiter, by the way, was the inaugural member of the I Have Beaten Every Team That's Ever Played. You know, because it's you know you, you've got the guys that stick with one team their whole career. They're not going to get that opportunity, obviously, because they don't get to play themselves. So 
this is where the journeymen really get to shine. So uh, congratulations to Verlander on that. And um, one other uh, congratulations I'd like to bring up. The Hershey Bears folks are heading to the Eastern Conference Finals. They completed their sweep of Hartford tonight. They scored three unanswered goals to win that one four to one. So uh, the Giant Center needs to get ready to rock for the uh, concert for the uh, conference finals before they go for uh, oh God, I forget which Calder Cup they're going for, but they lead the league all time, and we need to keep padding that lead. So mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about anybody taking that from us. All right, so that's uh, this weird week and a half. Um, for uh, guys, I really appreciate you coming on Wednesday. It was my oldest son's birthday on Monday. He turned eleven. Which how the hell I've been a dad for eleven years? I don't. Damn, know. you're old, <laughs> dude. I am old, and Joe's older than me. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, the next generation of Atlanta Braves fan is now eleven. Um, you know, Dad, me, and Jason. <laughs> I need to get dad. I need to get dad a jersey so uh, he can take us to games too. So uh, yeah, th- guys, I, I appreciate you coming on on Wednesday this week so we could uh, bump that back. It was a fun night celebrating with Jason. All right, folks, you can find the audio recordings on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. You can see us live on YouTube, Facebook Live, and Twitter. Find our merchandise at redbubble.com, and you can follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash dollardogsandbeer on the Twitter page at ddab underscore podcast. Um, all three of us are on there. I'm at Pyrolord314, Jason's at jricker 300 Joe's at JoltonJoe35. Ronnie, do you use Twitter much? Oh. I, I scroll through it. <laughs> Not to, you just like to uh, read the train wrecks, but yes. don't jump on them. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Guys, we're presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC. And we are sponsored by Whiskey and Blade Barbershop and Whittits. May your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. We will be back next Monday. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>